Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One of my current neighbors. I moved into this flat about a month ago and have come across three of the other four neighbors on my floor, either just passing in the corridor or had a parcel delivered to their flat when I wasn't in. But the guy next door I hear him grunt and sigh occasionally, which is how I know they're a he never seen. I don't work currently, I have an ongoing illness, so I'm in most of the time, but I've never heard his front door go to suggest that he's exiting or entering. Nor do I hear anyone go round, even though these are small flats and I can hear my neighbor on my other side coming and going, as well as the postman knocking on everyone else's doors. Assuming his flat is the same floor plan as own, his bedroom shares a wall with my living room. When I'm sitting on my sofa, I can hear creaking kinda like a mattress or creaky bed frame through the wall, on and off at all times of the day. So, a man is definitely alive in there. But what does he do in bed all day? My immediate thought is that he is also disabled, but how is he getting food? And if he's bed-bound, who is caring for him? The 
the first house my parents owned, into which I was born, was in a rather nice area, but happened to be next to an outlier. A halfway house that had come about through a noble but misguided bequest. By and large, the guys all men who came through in the time my parents were next door were, I'm told, very good sorts. They were basically good people who had made mistakes, paid their debts to society, and were absolutely thrilled to be living in such pleasant surroundings. It was run, Iwerk, strictly on a referral basis, so that only Paralees who were ready and suited for this kind of environment were sent there. It wasn't a very professional operation, just a place for decent guys coming out to live and adapt back into good society. Then a guy with a rather darker past, but fairly promising social skills managed to wangle a referral. He was only there for about a couple of months when I was barely a year old, but my parents said they were immediately on their guard around him. Then the body of a little girl not much older than me showed up in the lane way between the houses. New guy went away for a long, long time. My parents moved, and the halfway house was shut down. When I was a kid around eight years old, I lived in a somewhat sketchy neighborhood. Many of the houses were trailers perched on top of hollow concrete foundations, and the real houses needed some repairs. One day, a new neighbor moved in. She was a couple of years younger than me, and for privacy's sake, I'll call her Ellen. She constantly joined in on whatever I was doing and came over to see if I was around without any warning. There weren't many nice kids in the neighborhood, so I understood to an extent where she was coming from. However, she didn't seem to share the same idea of fun. A lot of my memories from that time are somewhat fuzzy, but here's what I remember. Ellen was very aggressive. She would get angry if I ever told her no, and almost every time I visited her house, I could hear her screaming at her parents and later her dog. She was generally very loud and seemed to enjoy making me flinch. I've never been a fan of loud voices when they're unnecessary. I would also find things missing from my room, only to see them in hers. Items like friendship bracelets, stones I had found, and small toys littlest pet shop anyone. Whenever I pointed them out, she would go silent and let me take them back, staring at me as if I had wronged her somehow. She unnerved me, to be honest. When we went frog hunting, there were a few times she pulled the legs off our frogs, and her dog seemed scared of her. I'm almost sure they took it to a shelter, so I really, really hope it's okay now. I'd also sometimes find dead birds and squirrels on my front steps, their legs, heads, or wings missing. They were all over her yard too, but she blamed her cat. I never saw a cat, and I remember hearing a couple of different names for it. I can't be sure it was her, of course but a little voice in my head thinks so. My cat definitely killed mice too, but she never did it so brutally before or tore off any pieces. She'd run into my mom sometimes when she was looking for me, and my lovely mother told me she had asked to come in anyway and wait in my room when I wasn't there. The answer was always no, for pretty obvious reasons. Our fence to the backyard was high, and there was no way to climb it which I learned the hard way after the gate locked behind me, home alone with locked doors and no key. It was about six feet tall, made of nice new wood, with a latch only on the backyard side. Our trash and recycling bins were about 10-15 feet away by our front shed. 
We started finding them right against the fence and eventually my mom caught Ellen peeking over the fence when she was out back cleaning our little pool. I also found Ellen lurking by the fence coming home from school one day when she was supposed to be sick. Being around her always gave me a horrible feeling, as if doing something wrong or mentioning what I'd caught her doing would lead to something bad happening to me. We moved away about a year and a half after she moved in, and I have no idea what has become of her now. I hadn't thought about Ellen in years, but driving past the old neighborhood a while ago brought it all back. I've got plenty of other stories to share, though Ellen won't be making an appearance in them. I'm a 22-year-old Brazilian male from a really small town, and in 2018 I moved to the capital of my state for study and work. In these five years, I never had a sight of a creepy encounter or even a robbery, but last Friday I had the worst experience of my life. At the start of 2020, I moved to this apartment complex. I live on the first floor of the first block, which makes the space behind my bedroom window a common area. And in these three years, same thing. All peace, no robbery around, not many people walking behind the place looking inside, except some internet provider technicians and a trustful neighbor who eventually walks behind to make it to his bike faster at the start of the day. People tend to ignore us living inside. They would pass just minding their own business, talking to me only if I was in a different area of the apartment a little porch in our living room. I currently live with two friends from my old town and my girlfriend. Last Friday, one of those friends went back to our town, leaving me, my girlfriend, and the other friend alone in the apartment. Around 3 a.m., me and my girlfriend came home from a bar we like to go to every Friday. At this point, it was all normal. We came, ate something, took a shower, and rolled a blunt like normal couples do. In that time, my friend came home around 3.30 a.m., making the situation even more secure for us, as usual. We invited him to smoke some weed, which he denies because he was tired, so we decided to just smoke and go to my bedroom to have sex. During the deed, we hear some strange noises but end up continuing. In some moment, we want to change the position and hear again the noise of something sliding. So I looked at the windows and saw a guy's face, practically glued to the window bars, watching us. I have a very short temper, which leads me into Berserk mode, instantly breaking the window glass with my bare hands. I was really pissed and ran to the kitchen to get a cutting knife while repeatedly screaming, I'm going to kill you. When my adrenaline subsided, I managed to calm down and called my mom to say I was going to stay at her house for a few days in my old town. We are very scared and suspicious of the neighbor upstairs, as we saw him in the same place earlier, and I could recognize scars from freckles on both the window face and the face from earlier. However, without confirmation, we are left in an extremely uncomfortable position, not knowing exactly who the person is and him knowing exactly who we are. He knowing we were going to be late, knowing where we live, etc. It's about the dude. The guy we suspect was seen in the same spot earlier picking up weed ends. He looked into the apartment and chuckled. He's my neighbor upstairs, he doesn't work, he doesn't study, he just listens to music all day, does drugs. As I have insomnia, I can often hear him arranging lines of cocaine and then snorting. I hate the way that shit makes me feel. 
also my fiance and I have been on the lookout for a kitten to accompany our three-month-old kitten we have already. We searched and searched until one day he said to me, let's look on Craigslist, so I did. We found the perfect one, but the only problem was it was two hours and thirty men away from our home. I inquired about it at around 10.30 p.m. I know it was late. But almost immediately I got a response. She sounded very nice over text and asked to see where I lived so that she would feel settled about the kitten living with us. She also insisted on going to their house, I know. I should have just dropped it at the time I thought nothing of it. So I sent them a video we sent up a time for the next day to meet. Next day came I wasn't going to take my fiancé, but he insisted on coming with me because he wanted to be my protection in case since Craigslist is sketchy. So we drove two HRS and 30 men on our way there. As we were on our way I was texting this girl that we would get there on time and she responded, great see you then. We arrived to the home, me in the driver's seat and my fiancé in the passenger seat with the window down. I texted the girl and I got no response, I called and no response. I ended up calling five times and texting in the course of an hour and no response. I went up to the house and knocked on the door. Nothing. There was a car in the driveway but no response from the number or the door. We got there at 6.30 and waited until almost 8. Nothing. The neighbor came out asking what was wrong. I said I'm here since I inquired about a kitten and she said, A kitten? I said, Yes, it was an ad on Craigslist. She said, No one has kittens in this home though. I showed her the ad and she said, Oh, I know them. They are very sketchy people, and they don't own any cats, I just helped them move their furniture yesterday. So I said, well on their ad, it says that they have to get rid of their kittens since their new place doesn't allow pets. So the neighbor said, that's impossible, I have a dog, and so does the next door over. I immediately found this creepy and assumed the neighbor was also in on something since it was too creepy and I was feeling anxious. I thanked her and left along with my fiancé. Literally immediately when we pulled out of the street I got a text from the girl saying, I'm just now getting your messages, something must be wrong with me phone. Did you still want the kitten or no? I didn't answer and we headed back home. What I don't understand is they didn't get any money from me, but they asked me to show up not knowing I'd be with my fiancé. I had a bad feeling about it. What did they want from me? I've never only started thinking about this in the last 10 to 15 years, but I think I narrowly escaped being s assaulted a or murdered as a kid. When I was a preteen growing up in rural Texas, a family from Las Vegas moved next to us. It was Harry, his real name, and his wife, her mother, two daughters, and one of their husbands. I was drawn to them because they were very friendly and interesting. All except Harry. It didn't take long to figure out that everyone in the family hated him. He gave off a real dirtbag vibe. The family had money, but it came from his wife's side of the family. He didn't really fit in with the rest of them. Over a year or so, I spent more and more time over there, but avoided Harry like the plague. Talking to his stepdaughters, I learned that their mother was getting ready to divorce him. I think he could see the writing on the wall, too. One day out of the blue, he stopped over at my house. I was outside, riding my bike or something. He asked me if I wanted to take a ride with him to check on their cattle. 
For some stupid reason, I forgot all of my misgivings about him. I thought it might be cool to take a ride with him out in the country to check on the livestock. My mother was inside talking to a friend on the phone. I'll never forget how she reacted when I asked her if I could go with him. Without interrupting her conversation, she mouthed no and shook her head to reiterate the point. She told me to just go to the front door and shake my head, rather than going outside and telling him I wasn't going. Harry just shrugged and left. After his wife finally kicked him out, Harry started harassing them in weird ways creeping outside their house at night, and even calling in fake obituaries for one of the daughters into the local newspaper. Thankfully, he took off back to Vegas soon after. After I had kids of my own, I started thinking about that incident and what could have happened to me that day if my mother hadn't had the foresight to tell me I couldn't go. I think Harry would have hurt me just to get back at his family members who had a fondness for me. It's chilling to think about. Leaving my friend's house, I accidentally backed into a brick mailbox. My bike rack hit the mailbox so my car was okay, but completely demolished the mailbox. No big deal, right? That's why we have insurance, right? I went to the neighbor and told them what happened, and gave them my insurance, phone number, and name. All I got was his first name. From the get-go, this dude was creepy. He kept hitting on me, trying to date me, specifically trying to feed me. I left on my drive to my mom's I'm attending out of state college and parents are divorced the guy I backed into Robert began to text me and call me. He was insistent that it was better for both of us to just pay out of pocket for the mailbox, sending me links to companies that could fix it for $500 and demanding I go on a date with him so I could give him the cash for the repair and he could feed me. I don't know what his deal with the food was. I declined everything, but started to get annoyed by his constant texts and calls. Finally, after two days of it with my responses only, please contact my insurance. I sent him a text saying that he was harassing me. I blocked him, but he made a new number and threatened to report it as a hit and run to the police. I'm in law school, okay, this wasn't a hit and run. I blocked the second number. Then he used a new number to ask me if I wanted him to send a screenshot or video of the accident to his insurance. I admit, this made me angry I called this number and dug my nails so hard into my thigh I drew blood as he threatened reporting things, asking me on a date, and trying to entice me to just pay cash. I finally screamed, don't contact me again, you f inbred piece of s. My dad heard me and was upset I said that to someone I was in an accident with, and that I said that to a guy who thought I was cute and just wanted a date. I blocked the third number. Next day, he reaches out again to tell me I gave him the wrong policy number. I told him I didn't. He then said it'd be easier to pay cash, that I was the problem, etc. He was talking to his insurance, I guess, and began trying to validate my info. He had my mom's name, address, and phone number. I verified it, told him to not contact me again, and blocked his new number. Next morning, super early, I get a text, basically saying he finished the claim and I was awful for making it harder than it needed to be by going through insurance and not going on a date with him. He then included, You're so beautiful and ugly at the same time. Don't take risks, stay on the good path. Goodbye.
At this point, I got scared. Fifth number blocked. Then at midnight, he texts, You up. I know where you live. Don't try and screw me over on insurance. I'll report it as a hit and run. You should have just gone on a date with me. I took the phone to my dad, showed him the texts, and filled him in. My dad, a pretty scary dude, then calls the guy. He answered, Shoot, I knew you were into me. Want to come over? My dad got very mad. My dad said this was beyond harassment. This was his final warning to not contact me, that we didn't care how he reported it, etc. Robert began saying I came on to him and offered sex as payment, invited him to my house, and was a horny bee. Instantly blocked, police contacted, insurance notified, all the things. Next day, talk to insurance, protective order filed. Get another text telling me I shouldn't have involved police. Block 7th number, notify police, go to stay at my dad's because dude doesn't have this address. My dad is a very tall, very scary dude who loves his second amendment. Late last night, watching Star Wars with my dad and older brother doorbell rings. Dad goes to see who it is, and it's Robert with a trash bag filled with things I left at his house. I call the police, my dad goes ballistic, all the things. Police come, arrest guy. The bag. Lingerie, a knife, lip balm, and a Dita Von Tess fetish book. Just met with an attorney. Plot twist. Guy doesn't own the house, is an illegal immigrant, is married, and is being deported. I feel awful he's being deported. I genuinely think he wanted to s assault and or kill me. I go back to school in a few days and am so terrified he or someone else will follow me. VTA. I have kept my friend his neighbor informed through whole process. He hasn't reached out to her except for video of me backing into the mailbox. I don't know if an illegal immigrant can be charged with crimes, but he was arrested for stalking, trespassing, felony assault he tried to push my dad, and then spit at him. Insurance fraud he lied about the accident to his insurance agent. Possession of a deadly weapon with intent the knife in the bag and attempted breaking and entering. They just kept adding on the charges, lol. After college, I moved a lot, so it took me some time to figure things out. And finally, after a few months, I rented an apartment. The place wasn't big, it was small but good. However, for me, it was the best thing ever I had. It felt really good because now I had something that was truly mine, and it made me feel proud just when I needed to stay happy. Well, technically, I was renting, not owning, but you know, for that month after paying, it felt like it was mine. I had it all to myself for 30 days. Not everyone understood why this meant so much to me. I lived by myself now and didn't have friends because I didn't want any. My life was easy. Everything was about my job and being by myself. That's all I wanted, so why should I need any friend? But one night after work, I was searching for my keys in my purse. That's when I heard a soft whisper like someone talking. I turned around, but there was no one there, so maybe my ears were playing tricks on me. I kind of pushed away the thought and went inside my apartment. The voice was gone, so I thought it was just me hearing things. I sat on my couch, thinking about what my co-workers said at work, as they often asked why I kept to myself most of the time. Even though I've been working there for more than a year and seven months, 
I haven't really had a good talk with anyone. Of course I couldn't say to them that I like being by myself and don't really want them around. So I just said to my work buddies that I enjoy thinking a lot. That's it. I even made up some stuff like I write books in my free time and it keeps me busy. They just got the idea that I like being on my own and that was fine with me. Sometimes I'd stay out later than I had to. I'd leave at 2 in the morning and come home really late. It's not like I had a ton of stuff to do, but I just needed that time for myself. Even though people didn't really believe what I told them, nobody asked too many questions. I ran into Paul a few times in the hallway. He's my neighbor. He always had a smile on his face, so I figured he was a pretty happy guy. We chatted a couple of times, but it was just about everyday stuff like what you say to neighbors. But I got a bit friendlier with someone from work when I found out she liked a song from my favorite band. And by friendlier, I mean we talked for five minutes instead of one. We began talking and became fast friends. After a month, I asked Sarah to come over to my apartment. Turns out her roommate needed a place and Sarah didn't have another spot to stay. So even though I wasn't too sure, I said she could stay with me until she figured things out. The next day we got to my place, but when I tried opening the door, I heard those whispers again, just like last time. It gave me a bit of a shiver, but I tried not. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. To let it bother me. Unlike me, Sarah was curious about the sound. Did you hear that? Sarah asked while we were outside my apartment. Hear what? I asked, pretending like nothing happened. Just listen, she said. So we both waited there. It was again. It wasn't scary or anything. It felt like someone was trying to say something, but we couldn't figure out what it was. I looked at Paul's place and wondered who he was whispering to. I thought he lived alone, but that's the issue. Sarah and I were pretty sure that the whispers were coming from his apartment. We heard those whispers again but we couldn't understand what they were saying. Your neighbors are strange, she said. We went into my apartment, had dinner, and laughed about silly stuff at work. She asked if I had a boyfriend, and I said, No, I don't. She responded, I kind of thought so, but that's okay. After chatting for a while, we fell asleep on the couch, leaning on each other. I know it might sound strange, but Sarah was one of those folks who made it easy for me to talk. She made me feel at ease and friendly. It brought back memories of a close friend I had in high school named Evelyn, and we were practically like roommates back then. I noticed a bit of Evelyn in Sarah, and it made me feel a bit emotional. Sarah left the next day early in the morning. When we woke up since I had the day off from work, I thought I'd just chill. There was a knock on my door that brought me back to reality. I thought about not answering for a moment, hoping the person would go away. I had dealt with enough people for one day. Even though Sarah had made a good impression, I felt tired. 
Talking so much and being around someone for almost 15 hours wore me out. But the knocking didn't stop, so I got up and opened the door. It was my neighbor. He seemed upset about something, but I didn't know what it was. Hey, sorry to disturb you, but I wanted to say you were kind of loud with your friend last night. It would be great if you could keep it down next time. I don't like noise. His voice was almost a whisper, similar to the voices I heard last night. He sounded a bit annoyed and upset, that much I could tell for sure. Ah, sorry about that. I'll try to be quieter next time, I said with a smile. I saw a frown on his face turn into a smile right away. Thanks, he said, and then he went back to his apartment. I just shook off the idea that he was acting a bit strange. Sarah and I were actually quiet last night, but it's all good. A whole week went by after that talk. Things stayed pretty much the same. Every day had the usual routine, but it felt a bit off whenever Paul knocked on my door. I felt anxious and uneasy, like there was something watching me from behind, waiting for me to do something not usual. I was sitting at my desk when someone stood by the front door, knocking. I pulled myself off the chair and opened the door, and again it was Paul, but this time he looked strange. His hair was all messy, and his eyes seemed like they might pop out at any moment. Can you please stop all that talking? I can't, I can't focus because of them. I don't know what you're doing, stop it. Paul turned and walked away, leaving me surprised without a chance to reply. The sarcasm was gone now, it was just pure anger. I don't really like being bothered about things I'm sure of, that I thought about telling the landlord about him a few times. But then I remembered he lost his wife and kids, so maybe he's still feeling really sad. But one night, when I came home from work late, opened my door, and heard those whispers again. I was curious about what they were saying this time, so I checked it out. I put my head on the door to his apartment and listened. She killed her. She is evil. I can't do anything because no one would believe. Dennis killed Carla. I quickly moved away from the door. My breathing was fast. My mind told me to run. I wanted to, but I also wanted to find out more. Denise told everyone it was an accident, but I know it's not. She pushed Carla off the cliff and Carla couldn't swim. No, I whispered. It felt like he heard me because the whispers stopped. I heard footsteps coming to the door, so I rushed into my apartment. Denise was my name. Carla was his wife who passed away. Paul knocked on my door. Too scared to do anything, I ran into the kitchen and hid under the table. Denise, can we talk? He called, his voice sounding serious. I was still shaking, scared, and really confused. What should I do? I heard my front door open. I forgot to lock it. Oh no, I felt so dumb. The door squeaked open, and he peeked into the room, looking around carefully before stepping inside. I could see him from my spot in the kitchen, but I knew he couldn't see me because I was hiding low down. There were a bunch of boxes on either side under the kitchen table, giving me cover. I heard the floor creak as Paul stepped into my apartment. I stayed still. I knelt there, scared and frozen under the kitchen table. All of a sudden it got quiet and I couldn't see him anywhere. The next thing I knew, he grabbed the edge of the table I was hiding under and tried to pull it aside. So it was you, right? Paul asked, not paying attention to anything else, and his eyes were locked onto mine. 
What do you want? I asked, trying to move away from him, but I had no place to go. You killed my wife, didn't you? He asked me, with a mix of sadness, anger, and regret in his voice. I shook my head, saying no, but he came closer. Finally, I started moving back, trying to create space between me and this angry man. You said it was an accident, he yelled. Terrified for my life, I was figuring out what to do next as he came closer slowly. My wife didn't deserve to die. You were supposed to protect her. How could you do such a thing? Stop making excuses. Do you think you're some kind of saint? I whimpered at the sound of his voice. His intense stare paralyzed me. I couldn't make any sudden moves. That's why you ran away from your family. You wanted to escape to a place where no one knew what you did, but I won't let you. Then Paul picked me up and threw me across the living room. I fell on my side and pain shot through my whole body. I tried really hard to breathe. When I sat up, I saw him coming towards me again. Then why did you run away if it was an accident? You shouldn't be here. His words hurt like a sharp knife, stabbing my heart, and I knew he believed every word he said. I had nothing to protect myself with except my hands. I couldn't even fight back if I wanted to. As he came closer, closer, leaning forward, the space between us disappeared. His big hands grabbed my neck, and he started trying to squeeze and bang my head against the wall. With all the strength I could find, I leaned my body into him. I bit his arm until he let go, and I tried to run away, but before I could reach the front door, he grabbed my shirt and threw me into the living room like an empty bottle. But this time, I hit my back on the shelf. I was sure I had a few more broken bones. The pain was too much. I didn't mean to hurt her, I said. She was my best friend, I cried, pretending like I did it. This was my last chance to survive. I was in so much pain, begging him with everything I had to stop hurting me. Paul looked at me, but before he could do anything, I saw him get tackled to the floor. In a split second, I could see in his eyes that he believed me when I admitted and pretended I was the one who killed his wife. I said sorry and used my pain from the broken bones to cry a little more. I didn't recognize who tackled him, but someone else joined and kicked the knife out of his reach. The second guy lifted me off the floor, helped me stand, and pulled my hands behind my back as he guided me out of the apartment. It turns out, since the door was left open, some of the other people who live in the building heard what happened. They heard me screaming, crying, and begging for help. Someone did come to help. Two other guys subdued Paul while I was carried out of my apartment. I could hear groans and grunts as they struggled with him. After that, the medics showed up. Everything became a blur and I was in a lot of pain so they gave me gas to make the pain go away. My whole body felt numb. I needed several operations because of my broken bones. My neighbor Paul, who acted crazy, was put in a mental hospital. It turns out he had severe problems with his mind, like schizophrenia, delusions, and trouble controlling his. I had a next-door neighbor who was just downright mean. Our house was a double block, so we had the next-door neighbor who was actually next door on the same street, and then another neighbor who we shared a fence with but her house was around the corner. And this lady was just mean. Often I would hear her screaming at her toddler like three, four years old that she is worthless and pathetic. 
I also had some pet chickens, and I kept the wings clipped, but chickens will be chickens and sometimes got over the fence into her yard. Normally, I would run around, collect the chook, and come home. Like these were pets you would walk up, and they would just look up at you waiting to be picked up and cuddled. One day before I could get around to her house to get the chook, she just let her dog out on it. You could hear the dog ripping this poor little chook to death. It was horrible. In front of her toddler, no less. She then started screaming that if it ever happens again, then she will put the dog into our chicken run to kill all our chooks. We then put a higher bid on the fence. After this incident, I also started using the fence between our properties to practice my hockey serves grass hockey. I mean, I was nine and pissed this lady killed my pet. My mum didn't mind the dents in the fence, and since it was one of those color bond things, it made a hella of a noise, which she would have hated since she was a stay-at-home mum and at her house 99% of the time. So also I had this grumpy old cat, and he went missing. Two weeks later, we found him dead in her front yard, all skinny like he had been starved. So yeah, if that lady killed two of my pets... So, this is a story of how I was probably almost as assaulted and never realized it until about 15 years later. We had neighbors up the street, and when I was a kid, their son probably teenage. I honestly don't remember would sometimes come and babysit or keep an eye on me while my parents were out. Not a big deal or a formal thing, but just someone to keep an eye on an 8-year-old for a few minutes. Well, at some point I was telling him about a club that my friends and I from school had, and he started talking about the cooler older kid clubs there were, one of which apparently involved tickling each other's butts. I was kind of weirded out by it, but eventually he talked me into tickling his give me a break. I was really young and not even remotely aware of sexuality while he was still dressed as a warm-up sort of thing. I must have mentioned something to my parents about it at some point, because after that I never saw the kid again. It was the kind of thing I randomly remembered like 15 years later during a slow night at work, and realized that if I hadn't said anything or had been just a bit more gullible, I might have had an entirely different childhood. So for any younger Redditors out there, if you've got a neighbor of friend or family member that wants you to do something that feels weird or uncomfortable, just mention it to your parents. Might be nothing or might save your life without realizing it. Mostly the man who kept walking into my driveway to check my inspection stickers on my vehicle so he could report me. He did it on the antique car all the time and I constantly had to remind the complex that no, I am not obligated to explain how antique vehicles work regarding inspection. You as my landlord are responsible for telling him when he calls you every day to report me. The proper response is to not call me when I haven't done anything wrong. I guess he was retired and had nothing better to do. He also followed me home one night, blocked me in my driveway, and told me I wasn't welcome to live here. That was the first night we ever encountered each other. He claimed I was speeding at five miles per hour. MK. At another house, a lady a few houses down was mentally unstable. She threatened another neighbor with a knife screaming about him murdering her plants because he was mowing his lawn. The cops were called nearly every week. I felt really bad for her. 
She probably needed to be institutionalized or put in a home where she could be supervised. He was mid-thirties, unemployed, lived with his girlfriend in the house next door, and was a tweaker who had been in and out of jail. He was a rabid white supremacist despite acting like a gangsta and listening to rap music 24-7 and had been kicked out of both the KKK and the Aryan Nation because of his drug habit. His girlfriend was half Mexican. He had a KKK logo tattooed on his arm. One time when I was about 12, we came home from vacation. One of our windows broken and he was asleep on our couch. The whole house reeked of a smell like burned cat piss probably meth. I guess he didn't pay the power bill and didn't have any air conditioning or TV, so he decided it would be a good idea to break in our house and use ours. He didn't steal anything except a few beers and some food out of the fridge, so we decided not to call the cops and my dad just gave him a long talk about getting his shit together and offered to help him get a job, which he declined. That was a mistake. He eventually got a job at Taco Bell and was fired three weeks in for showing up to work high. He tried to sell me and the other neighborhood kids drugs when we were as young as 11, and I guess that was his primary source of income. He had groups of people showing up at his house at all hours of the night and never staying very long, so I suspect they were customers. He went to jail for a while for drug possession when I was about 14, got out about 18 months later, we also suspect he stole cars, since he occasionally had one or two under tarps in his backyard. He probably beat his girlfriend. We never heard it, but she was always covered in bruises. He liked to hang out in his backyard and try to talk to me when I was outside playing or whatever when I was a kid. He also creeped around the local middle school. He'd hang out in the parking lot and whistle at girls and make sexual comments. I thought it was just a little bit creepy when I was 11, 13, but I didn't realize just how messed up it was at the time. There were also occasionally young teenage girls at his house when his girlfriend was at work around that time. He said they were his nieces and tried to get me to come over and play with them, but now I doubt it. Never saw their parents and they were always gone before his girlfriend got home from work. About a year ago, a whole bunch of cops raided his house and took him, his girlfriend, and young woman about 19 or 20 years old who I'd never seen before out in handcuffs. Haven't seen any of them since, don't know what they were arrested for. Most of the trouble neighbors have just been violent, but I guess the creepiest one would be when I was a kid growing up in a block of council flats. Our neighbor was a drunk woman who lived with her boyfriend, seemed harmless if completely weird and off her tits on cider at all times. Then one morning me and my little sister have to go to school via the fire escape and the hallway smelled funny, especially around the rubbish chute. Turns out they had turned on each other and she had stabbed him to death before trying to get rid of the body. Luckily my mom was able to use this as fodder to get us into some nicer housing. I was five and he lived down the street from me. It was a longer street so not a direct neighbor, but he was a school teacher who was linked to the murder and abduction of a few kids. I remember coming home to cops everywhere and our street shut off. Next thing I remember is them excavating his house. 
Fast forward to now and he's on trial for the murder of a little girl who went missing from our area when I was in primary school. Always gives me the willies when I think about walking past his house on the way home from school. I lived in a very remote area. No cable dial-up internet until 2010, no public transit, etc. All us kids who grew up out there were a little strange, but there was this one guy who put us all to shame. He always seemed a little slow. He was about seven years older than me, but would come over to play all the time when my younger sister and I were really little. My parents took pity on him, I guess. Also, this being the late 80s, early 90s, things were a little different. We were free-range kids. He used to shit in our yard all the time, and my parents used to joke about it. To be fair, it was the bushes we all cooed outside, but usually not in our neighbor's front yards. The last straw, the reason he wasn't allowed to come over anymore, was one day he punched me in the face, I'm a girl, stole our kitten, rode off down the road on his bike, and abandoned the kitten in a ditch beside the road. My older sister just happened to see him take the cat, followed him, and rescued her from the ditch. My sister told our parents, and the neighbor was banned. One day, when I was about seven, I went for a walk with my dog down to the beach and back. I kept having this weird feeling I was being watched, but ignored it, as I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. When I was almost home, creepy teen neighbor popped out of the bushes beside the road. He told me he had been following me the whole time. He said he was in a special club, and each person picked a girl to essentially stalk. I was his subject. He said he peered in our windows after dark and watched my family going to the bathroom. We had a window in our bathroom in the shower. To this day, I have a hard time going to the bathroom with the shower curtain open anywhere. My parents replaced the window with opaque glass blocks, but I still get the heaves from that window. He said he was going to make me his. I told him to suck it and stomped home with my dog. I don't remember if I told my parents, but I don't think so. I can't remember much about how the attack started. I only have fragmented memories of different sexual assaults happening in various places. The woods, my backyard, near the beach. I do remember one time in this fort he had on his property, but don't remember how I got there. There was one instance involving a badminton racket and my ass. He told me if I told anyone he'd get my little sister, but he ended up doing some stuff to her too. Before it got as bad as what happened to me, we told our parents, but anything like that is too much. Nothing was done. I don't know why the cops weren't called when I showed up with a bleeding butthole. All I can say is it was a huge fail on my parents and the authorities' behalf. I think I remember something about my mom going to talk to his mom, and his mom saying we made the whole thing up, but I don't know if this is true or not the whole thing got swept under the rug and weirdly I forgot it ever happened. I didn't start getting flashbacks until puberty. When my sister and I were in our early 20s, she and my parents had a drunken heart-to-heart -heart about it, and there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. I was so pissed. How could they do nothing, then years later act all shocked about the whole thing? Once when I was about 23, my mom got sucked into this landmark conference thing through her work. That night, she called me out of the blue. She told me about her creepy uncle and how he tried to molest my mom, but my mom scared him off, so he went after my aunt instead. 
The family swept it all under the rug and my aunt became a teenage heroin addict. By this time my mom was crying saying, I swore to myself then, if anything like that ever happened to my kids, I'd kill the bastard who did it. At the time I was livid. I mumbled by and hung up and didn't talk to my parents for another six months, drowning my sorrows in my own scorching heroin addiction. Now I like to think it was her roundabout way of apologizing, maybe? I'd hate to think otherwise that my mom could be so blithe and clueless. I finally kicked my habit for good two years and three months ago. Things are pretty good with my family. I had a good upbringing other than that and my parents did the best they could. I'm lucky compared to some people I know. We're all way closer now. I don't know what happened to the creepy neighbor. Last I heard he had moved to an even more remote location. The statute of limitations ran out years ago anyway. I forgive him because I choose not to carry that baggage around anymore. He's the one who has to live with himself.